this week on Hope for the Broken. You're going to preach to yourself every day when you wake up. Every thought of the day, you're convincing yourself of some sort of truth that we serve the God who delivers. And we don't have to give an answer for why we won't bow to everything else because our life can be the answer in and of itself. This is something that we should preach to ourselves on the regular. Every day, you should get out of bed and you should look in the mirror and say, today, I will stand on the truth that I serve the God who can deliver from yesterday's failures. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we get to hear from a very special guest speaker, Aaron Blankenship, as we look back at the book of Daniel. Here is Aaron Blankenship with his message titled, Who Are You and Whose Are You? I'm excited to dive into the Word and press into the goodness of the Lord with you today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Most of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture. Uh, Pastor Chris, earlier this year, actually did a wonderful series through the book of Daniel. Um, But I really believe that this morning, the Lord has something special to remind us of uh, as we open His Word to this section. First, let me give you a quick refresh on what is leading up to this point in Daniel chapter 3. If we look back all the way to Daniel chapter 1, we're told that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were youth from Jerusalem. That's where they lived when Nebuchadnezzar came and conquered the land. Uh, he had them brought before him in order for them to allow, uh, to allow them, excuse me, to study to fully understand their culture and their common practices. As Daniel and the three were assimilated into the new culture, Daniel was given wisdom and guidance from the Lord to abstain uh, from, the Lord, uh, from the king's food. Excuse me. This set the four apart from all of the rest, causing them to have a continual reminder of their origin and being under the lordship of the one true king. Now, let me just paint this picture for you a little. So you've got Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego. They're living their lives out, loving life, living in their homeland, and Nebuchadnezzar comes in and conquers it, takes over, brings them back into his court so that they can learn to live in their culture. Now, as they're being uh, kept, for lack of a better term, uh, Daniel gets wisdom from the Lord, And he tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the prison guards, we would like to abstain from the food of the king. We want just vegetables and water. Now, let me ask you, you don't have to raise your hands. How many of you at Thanksgiving only had vegetables and water? No, definitely not. I hope that you had a great turkey. I hope you had a wonderful time with your family. But here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are set apart from all of the other youth that were brought in uh, to be educated simply by refusing the food of the king. They wanted something different. Uh, If you remember this text, the guard gets worried and he says, well, what about me? How am I supposed to go before the king when you look worse than everyone else? And Daniel tells them, test us. Give us 10 days where we are only given vegetables and water, and then compare us to everyone else. Do you remember this story? 
He tests them for 10 days. This is all they eat. And when the guard comes to examine them, he finds them to be healthier than all of the rest. This is the very beginning introduction that we see of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And already from the very beginning in the get-go, they are set apart from all of the other youth. Because they remembered the Lord and his goodness, we're told in Daniel 1.17 that the Lord gave them learning and skills and literature and wisdom. So because they remembered the Lord during this time of chaos, the Lord blessed them. What a wonderful reminder for us that in chaos and turmoil, as the world gets shaken, as the holiday season comes into full swing and everything goes haywire and you're pulled a hundred directions, to remember the Lord. When you stay focused on the one true king, even in the midst of total chaos, the Lord is faithful. He was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to provide for them in ways that not only sustained them, but also gave them favor that blessed them in that moment and in the future, as we'll see here in just a moment. As we move along through the story and this recap, uh, you jump into chapter 2, and then we're told that Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. Now, if you remember his dream, he had a dream of this uh, image idol that was built of many different uh, materials. And he brought in all of his wise men so that they could interpret this dream for him, but none of them were able But if you remember in Daniel 1, whenever they abstained from the king's food and they kept the Lord's command and they only ate of the clean food, they were given these gifts. Well, one of Daniel's gifts that he was given was the ability to interpret dreams. So Daniel comes in and he provides the interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar's dream. This dream was revealed um, to show the future of the kingdom and things that were to come. This dream most likely is the launching pad for all of chapter 3 that we're going to look at this morning. Daniel made the request. He was appointed because he uh, interpreted the dream for the king. He was appointed to the leader of the province. Following his appointment, we see in Daniel 2.49 that Daniel was made, uh, made the request for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be placed over the affairs of Babylon. So now you have these four youth that were from Jerusalem that are not Babylonian by birth that have been raised up to the point that they are now essentially leading this country. Daniel's over everything, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been placed over the affairs of Babylon. It's pretty incredible. You see, that's what happens when we remember the Lord, when we stay true to what he's called us to do. He blesses us in unexpected ways. This brings us to my first question for you this morning that I want you to think about as we go through this text today. I want you to think about who are you and whose are you? You see, you have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that who are they? They are Jewish individuals that are living in a place that is not home. And whose are they? They're servants to the one true king, not to Nebuchadnezzar, but the true king. So the big question that we're going to answer as we go through this morning is who are you and whose are you? I believe that this is critical to understand the full picture of what's going to take place in chapter 3. So let's look at that now. If you have your Bibles open, this is going to be chapter 3, verse 1, Daniel 3, verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was uh, 60 cubits and breadth 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Babylon. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the counselors, the treasurers and justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, and the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And he heard, now if you didn't catch that repetitiveness, all of the leaders are now standing before this image. Who are the four that we just appointed to leadership? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All of the leaders standing before this image. All right, let's look back here. Verse four. Uh, And the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and language, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the people heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, we're going to go farther than that, but that's where we're going to stop just for the moment. Now, I love the, the jump here. Um, if you look in your Bible, is there a little white space between chapter 2 and chapter 3? It's just a little tiny white space. There's some pretty incredible stuff that happens in that little white space. You see, because you have this king, Nebuchadnezzar, who in this tiny little white space has just jumped, (coughs) excuse me, from questioning if the God of Daniel is the true God, because at the end of chapter 2, he just interpreted the dream. Nebuchadnezzar says, truly, your God is the God. He's just jumped from questioning if the God of Daniel is the true God because of his ability So now he's at the polar opposite, and he's now built an image that's covered in gold as if to say that by his own power, he would rule everything. In that little tiny white space, he just completely flipped from maybe this God is real to nope, I'm going to build an image that everyone's going to worship. Now, most scholars would tell you that this image is probably not of Nebuchadnezzar himself because in Babylon at this time, they didn't consider their kings to be a deity. But it's probably of some false god that they were worshiping. So he builds this image and he says, you're going to worship what I have made. Daniel 3, 2 tells us that he sent out a command to all of the leadership that they should attend the dedication of this image that was made. Now, remember at the end of chapter 2, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were appointed to leadership in the kingdom. This is why they're at the dedication. Often in our lives, we find ourselves in situations similar to where the three are at in this moment, where we're forced to make a definite decision with obvious consequences, no matter what choice we might make. If they choose to bow, there's consequences with the Lord. If they choose not to bow, there's consequences with the king. A lot of times we find ourselves in those same types of situations where we have to make a decision one way or the other, but yet we have no control over our circumstances. It's a hard place to be in. Daniel 3, 4 through 6 
says that the command is given that at the sound of music, all who hear it must bow and worship the image. If you refuse, you'll be thrown into the burning furnace. I would, choose, I would offer the idea that you've probably heard this story before. You know what's going on here. But have you ever just stopped to wonder why is there a furnace there anyways? I mean, is it normal for kings to just keep a person-sized furnace? It's kind of odd to me. Well, most scholars would believe that it's the smelting pot for the gold for the image that he just built. But if you do a little more digging into this, this was not the first time that Nebuchadnezzar chose to use this as a threat and as a discipline. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are fully aware that he's not bluffing. He's done this before. He's had people placed into the furnace before. So the command is given that if you do not bow, you will be thrown into the furnace. When the horns are blown, everyone fell and worship except for the three. And at this time, the Chaldeans came and told Nebuchadnezzar that uh, what had happened, and he had them brought before him for questioning. And this is really where I want to spend the bulk of our time this morning. So as Nebuchadnezzar brings the three before him, look at verse 13 here, chapter 3, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commands that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the image that I... uh, Excuse me. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound, then you will bow to the image. I lost my spot here. Let me back up. There we go. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? As the king is listening to these Chaldeans give this account, his anger is building and building and building. Now, I have a three-year-old at home. She's the sweetest thing in the world. I love her more than anything. Her name's Cassidy, and she runs the house. Can you imagine with me that you're standing in my living room, and there's toys everywhere on the floor? And I say, Cassidy, you need to pick up your toys and put them in your room. And she just stands there. I say, Cassidy, you need to pick your toys up and put them in your room. Can you feel the anger building as she's refusing to do this? Have you ever had that moment with a toddler? It's a wonderful time. That's what Nebuchadnezzar's dealing with here. These are the ones that have been appointed to leadership that should set the example for the rest of the kingdom. And he tells them, when you hear the music, you should bow. He pushes the button, the music plays. And they don't bow. You feel the rage building? I can feel it building. It's, it's tension. It's wonderful. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hand? Look at verse 16 here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
We have no need to answer you in this matter. Oh, boy. That, that tension and anger that's building in me as I'm telling my daughter to clean up the toys. Can you imagine this three-year-old, sweet, innocent little girl looking at me and saying, I don't have to answer you. You know the cartoons where they get mad and the smoke blows out of the top of their head? That's about what would happen, and that's totally what happens to Nebuchadnezzar here. He blows his top. They look at him and say, we don't have to answer that. But why? Why would they not be willing to answer the question? All they had to do is say, no, we didn't. All they had to do is say, we don't bow to false images. All they had to do is say, we serve the God of gods, the King of kings, the God of Israel. But they don't. Instead, they look at him, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I think there's only one reason that that was a justifiable answer. It's because Nebuchadnezzar knows these men. He knows where they stand. He knows their convictions. He knows their beliefs. He knows their thoughts. Because all the way back in Daniel chapter 1, when they were first brought into his kingdom, they made a statement to make it clear that they will not serve any God other than their God. Their life up to this point has answered the question for them. So they're able to look at Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the land, and say, I have no need to answer you in this matter. Now let me ask you something, my second question for you this morning. What are some of the images in your life that are demanding of your time and worship? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had an image of gold that they weren't willing to bow to. What's your image? What's the thing that's in the back of your head constantly pulling your attention, continually drawing you to it and away from the Lord? What is your image? This time of year, for a lot of us, it's the holidays. Thanksgiving is over. That's a wonderful holiday. And now we're like, Christmas time at last. If you're like us, you've got a Christmas tree up in your house now, been playing Christmas movies for the last few days, it smells like cookies, it's a wonderful time. The problem with it is it draws so much of our attention to all the glitter and the glamour and the excitement. It's almost as if we have this image of gold that's begging us to just pour our attention into it all day, every day. And yet the Lord is calling us to him. I asked a first question a few moments ago of who are you and to whom do you belong? The answer for the first question should greatly impact the answer for the second question that I just asked. Who are you if you are a believer of Jesus Christ and that is who you belong to, then the image that, atten- that grabs your attention daily and is demanding of your time and worship should be that of Jesus. But for a lot of us, me included, most days it's not. 
Nebuchadnezzar threatens them with a furnace in order to force them to worship. Aren't you glad that as of right now, we live in a place that you're not being threatened by a burning furnace? I mean, isn't that wonderful? You don't have to worry about someone throwing you into this big pot of fire. You don't have to worry about this, uh, this detrimental, terrible thing happening. We've been blessed to live in a place in a time where rather being threatened with this, we're threatened with being thrown into this burning furnace forever. You ever thought of that moment in this story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are called to bow to this false image idol of a fake God, and they say, we will not bow. Nebuchadnezzar says, but why will you not bow? We don't have to answer that because you know us. You know our allegiance lies with Christ alone. Nebuchadnezzar says, well, if, if you will not bow, then you're going to burn. Do you realize the symbolism there? Because Jesus is calling you the same way. He says, I want your full attention. I want everything that you have, all of it right now, pour it on me. Why? Let's look at why. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 says, If this be so, our God, whom whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You have this temptation that is calling you and begging you to be drawn to it and to come to it. And then you have Jesus on the other side that says, no, just bow to me and I will save you from the furnace. You see the beauty here. Nebuchadnezzar threatens them with fire if they do not bow. Jesus threatens you with peace if you do bow. He says, if you would come and turn to me, there will be no fire. There will be no furnace. Aren't you so glad that we serve a God who delivers? Look at the end of verse 16. We have no need to answer you in this matter. I said in the first service, and I'm going to say it again, you realize that you're going to be the best preacher that you'll ever get, right? We at Trinity are so blessed with a wonderful pastor. Am I right? Praise the Lord for Pastor Chris. But you know he will never preach to you as much as you're going to preach to yourself. You're going to preach to yourself every day when you wake up. Every thought of the day, you're convincing yourself of some sort of truth. How wonderful would it be if the truth that we're convincing ourselves of is verse 16 and 17? That we serve the God who delivers, and we don't have to give an answer for why we won't bow to everything else because our life can be the answer in and of itself. When's the last time that you stopped and you took account of the the moments in your life that point to Christ? Have you done that lately? If I'm honest with myself, I have not. 
So this morning, I would, I would beg you to stop and take account of your own life. Say, how many times in my own life has the Lord delivered? Because you realize that we serve the God who can deliver from depression. We serve the God who can deliver from grief. Sometimes Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's is not a happy time. For some of us, it's hard because we have loved ones that are gone. We serve the God who can deliver from grief. Sometimes it's a terrible time for us because it's a recent, uh, a recent anger and a recent pain, and we don't understand why the Lord is allowing us to go through what we're going through. He's a God that is able to deliver from confusion. He's a God that is able to deliver from exhaustion and burnout. He's a God that is able to deliver from hurts that no one knows about. And he's a God that is able to deliver from our own past. You say, well, Aaron, that's wonderful and fine, but you see, these three are listed in Scripture for a reason because they have a mountain of faith, and I just don't know that I I have that much faith, and, and I don't even know how to get that much faith. Here's how you get a mountain of faith in your life. You remind yourself daily of verse 17 and 18. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Look, folks, this is something that we should preach to ourselves on the regular, every day, you should get out of bed and you should look in the mirror and say, today, I will stand on the truth that I serve the God who can deliver from yesterday's failures. Because if you're anything like me, there's a lot of failures yesterday or an hour ago or 10 minutes ago. And we serve the God who is able to deliver from those moments. We serve the God who is able to deliver from those moments. I'm not sure that that's fully sinking in yet. What a wonderful thing it is to trust in Christ. What a wonderful thing it is to know that he is able to deliver. What a wonderful thing it is to know that he can cure. But sometimes he doesn't. And that's where stuff gets hard. Sometimes we feel like we're falling into the furnace and it's still just you by yourself in there. And you're thinking, God, where are you? You you tell me in Daniel 3 that you are the God who's able to deliver, but yet I don't feel any deliverance here. God, I feel like I'm just stranded on my own. Sometimes the deliverance comes later. Sometimes the grace comes later when we turn around and we realize, you know what? He was delivering me the whole time. I was never in there by myself. It felt like it, but if I had been, there is no way I'd be where I am now. So let me tell you this morning, I I honestly believe someone in here other than just myself needs to hear this morning. God is able to deliver you today. He can deliver you from the hurts, the hang-ups, the problems, 
the financial issues. He's faithful to deliver. Let me tell you that it's hard some days to have faith. And it's hard some days to think that we have what it takes to be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and stand before these images and these trials and these temptations and these problems and say, I will not bow to anything other than the king. Some days we look at ourselves and we say, I just don't have what it takes to be that kind of a person. Let me prove you wrong real quick. Because you see, my Lord tells me in Ephesians 2, verse 10, that I am his workmanship. You know what that means? That means that he is the master craftsman and he created me. If he can create me, he can deliver me. If that's not good enough, what about Psalm 139? Psalm 139, 13 tells us that he knit us together in our mother's womb. So not only are you his workmanship, his masterpiece, but he handmade you. He knows you. He knows your triggers. He knows your temptations. He knows your flaws. He knows your problems. He knows your issues. He knows them so well that there is literally nothing that can stop his deliverance for you. And if that's not quite good enough, what about Genesis 1.26? Because Genesis 1.26 says that not only did he knit me together and not only, uh, excuse me, uh, am I his workmanship, but I am also made in his own image. Do you realize that you were created in the image of the living God, knit together by his own hands for a purpose? And it's not so that he can abandon you. He built you for deliverance. He built you for his glory. This morning, you have the opportunity to come before the king of kings and say, Lord, here I am. I want to bow before you and no one else. I want to stand before your righteousness just as I am and know that you can deliver me from my own failures. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.